In 2017, the president of Pinterest deleted the Facebook app from his phone after secretly hiding away in the pantry to check for the hundredth time that day his emails, messages, status updates, and news alerts. Other people's perfect lives, political discourse, Twitter rants, it all just became too much for him to handle. Something had to change. He needed a moment to think. But it just so happened to be a light bulb moment that changed his life and the lives of millions of other tech addicts forever. I knew I couldn't go back. Changes your you just life. put it out there. She said you've got less than a year to live. She's done even Luck deeper. is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That I. was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Cogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators. People who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to ticket before you kick it. But I was stuck to my phone scrolling through a social media feed, and I couldn't get off. I couldn't stop scrolling. Tim Kendall is best known as the former president of Pinterest. In 2012, after leaving Facebook, he joined the hugely popular web-based image bulletin board to build up its non-existent advertising business. And in just five years, he helped the company generate over $472 million. Tim and his team at Pinterest gained a reputation for their successful marketing campaigns and generating all of their ad products, including the promoted pin. Tim also had unconventional work habits. He refused to use his phone or laptop at meetings and chose paper printouts over electronic ones. Pretty unusual in a company that relies on people to be attached to their handheld devices and laptops. But his own phone habit was getting to him, and eventually he cut loose to start a very successful app called Moment, designed to help people detox and take back their time, all while using their smartphones. Ironically, it's working. And Tim recently unplugged long enough to tell me about this fascinating approach to what most of us are doing all day long, incessantly using our smartphones. Uh, here we are. So I was, uh, I was very interested to see what you were going to wear today. And you, you <laughs> turned up in a white t-shirt. And now I'm wondering maybe if I put a, one of those special movie lights on it or something there'll be some message yeah yeah because yeah. i know about you wearing a, a t-shirt t-shirts right. with messages and i thought that's such a uh, uh as you said a really simple way of getting a message across so, so tell us you had the same t-shirt everybody must have thought you were wearing the same t-shirt every day but it was the same you had many of the same t-shirts. i've many the same they just said the same thing yeah so yeah. T tell us what that was all about well it was so when i was at pinterest you know i started at pinterest there were probably a dozen people at the company and, you know, one of the things that, you know, a dozen people, 20 people, 30 people, you can communicate pretty easily, right? You can get the yeah. whole group together. A lot of times you can fit them in the same room and you can tell them, hey, this is the plan. Sometimes you can do it every day. Yeah. But when you start to get to hundreds of people and, and you know, we got up to, before I left, Pinterest was almost 1,800 people. The, the ways in which you can sort of communicate with people get diminished. Mm. Um, certainly in like a high fidelity way. And so one of the things that um, I just started to think about creative ways that I could impart and communicate messages to people that I wanted them to internalize. And one of the biggest messages that, that we wanted folks to think about who were building Pinterest was we wanted them to focus because most people just do too many things kind of average. 
Yeah. And we thought, well, let's really get folks to start really thinking in a mindset of, okay, there are 10 things I could do. Um, I'm going to cut it back to three. And what we really wanted them to do is say, okay, now I'm going to cut it back to one. So you would wear a t-shirt that said focus. focus. And then, and th- that was it? That was, that was it. And so I wore it every day. And I, I would tell, you know, when I, when I did orientation for new employees, I would, yeah. I would give a brief explanation for why I wore it, which is sort of had this, this meaning of communicating a message. And oh, by the way, wearing the same shirt every day also creates focus in your life because you don't have to think about what you're going to wear every day. Yeah, it must just, <laughs> exactly. You don't have to wake up in the morning and be bothered yeah. with what am I going to wear? So yeah. what was it, jeans and a t-shirt? It was jeans and a t-shirt. And now, you know, I, I've got to figure out with moment what that is going to be. But truth be told, it's typically jeans and a white t-shirt. Just doesn't say anything yet. And and Zuckerberg used to wear a tie, right? Like he used to just wear a, a simple he, tie? One year he did. For uh, a whole year. For 365. The same tie? Many, same, no, he varied the tie. But what but was he the was, symbol of he that? He was trying to send people a signal that it was in 2009. I see. Which was, which was sort of a seminal year for, for Facebook. Like there was some concerns about user growth, which seems wild in, in retrospect, and actually some concerns about really turning the corner with the business. And so he felt like it was the year that we were going to have to really turn the corner. And so he said, Let's, I'm going to wear a tie every day. So yeah. everyone gets that message loud and clear. Tell us about your, your time before Pinterest yeah. being at Facebook and then working with him and what you learned and how you transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. So f- Facebook was fascinating and, and working with Mark was incredibly rewarding and stimulating. And even when he was 19, you could, I certainly had a sense that he was very special and had a, had a really remarkable ability to see where the world was going. And, and really had just had a lot of conviction around connecting the entire world. Which, how did that manifest itself like day to day? Like, how did you see that happening? Well, he, t- he talked in very clear terms about it. He talked in, in big terms about what it would mean for the world. I mean, he talked very early on about the fact that if people were connected and there was more transparency in the world, right, there were fewer sort of like opaque um, pieces of information and, and every everybody kind of knew what was going on and and you know in my tribe there was enemy tribes with your tribe we could have some sort of link and and talk to one another there actually would possibly be less conflict in the world i mean he really believed that that if you created this substrate across the world that that, that could be possible and you know, you wouldn't know that from me reading the media today and what people say about Facebook. But look, there, there are a lot of things that happen as a result of Facebook and other social media services in the world in terms of destabilizing situations and forces that weren't good for communities or, or countries. Well, I, I really do believe that the world feels closer, more connected as a result of things like Facebook. Just since doing the amazing race i've been doing the amazing race for for two decades when we first started you could say thailand and people wouldn't even know what part of the world that was or even germany like to Mm -hmm. place it on a world map now people are talking back like people can enter into a conversation online so it has made i think particularly for americans more aware of the rest of the world right i I think it's absolutely right i actually think in there in some parts of america i think people who grew up on the coast i did not i grew up in the middle of the country in colorado when i went to college and met all these people who grew up on the coast they didn't know what the hell was going on in the middle of the country yeah 
they couldn't they couldn't pick out they couldn't tell which one was Wyoming and which one was Colorado. Really, really educated people. Flyover country. Flyover countries. They would literally go from one coast to the other yeah. and they would just look down. Yeah. I just think the United States and then pockets within the United States just very provincial, you know, blinders on mentality. And that's that's accepted. And you're totally right. You know, folks that that uh, I went to college with who grew up outside the United States, a much more global and, and broad perspective of what the world was like. I've seen some quotes of you talking about this, just the idea uh, that there are a lot more voices talking about what's going on. Obviously, sometimes that can get us into trouble because they're yeah. not necessarily filtered. <laughs> yeah. Right? You don't know exactly what you're reading, but at least it has opened up a dialogue. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we're just in a really tough... Um, phase of adolescence of a lot of these tools coming of age and i and look i think i think uh facebook absolutely and mark bear some responsibility mm. for for p- perhaps being a little bit reckless in terms of how this, this we got to where we are it'd be um, fair to say though that he also couldn't anticipate no just how big it was going to no. get no even with his amazing brain and no <laughs> correct i don't know if he could I, who had no. who would predict that we would be living in this you, you, in the world you, we're living in, you you wouldn't. I mean, when I when, when I joined Facebook, there were we a couple million users, and um, we were terrified of MySpace. We had five million users, and MySpace had 120 million, and they were, appeared they were going to eat the whole world. I I, I I I can't remember the last time I heard the words I, MySpace. When I, when I tell people this, they're like, "What MySpace? What? MySpace?" <laughs> there are people who don't even know what MySpace I know. is. I know, right? but That's, it was really dominant yes. in you know Um so I was there for, I was at Facebook for, to answer your original question, yeah. I was there for um, almost five years. And, and what, why did you come over? What was, the, what was it that excited you about being part of Facebook? I, I was in graduate school and I really, I, I loved the intersection of these new consumer technologies. Google was really dominant at this point. Yahoo was, it was a huge brand. And I, I always thought what was very interesting about these companies was how they were going to make money. Mm. And so I'd heard about the group of people who got together and figured out how to monetize Google. And um, I just sort of imagined, God, there's got to be a new company that needs something like that done for them now. And it was a little bit of a fairy tale. Like I, I called a couple people and they recommended, Oh, you should talk to Facebook. You know, they're pretty small, but they'll, they'll, they'll need a business. And they happened to be hiring someone, a product person, to basically help them figure out how we were going to how they were going to make money. Facebook wasn't really a high profile company at that point, mm. so it's not like that. I mean, today when Facebook wants to hire someone, even five years ago, they really they can get hundreds of people applying. But I think in this case, it wasn't it wasn't really necessarily a sought after job. I remember I graduated from business school and went right to Facebook, and I was. Certainly, the butt of some people's jokes in my business school class. Really? Who, oh yes. What? What is? This? What a waste of your why, degree. Why are you going to a college? Why are you going to a college website? That really? Seems weird. That's really. Oh, I'm 100. percent Wow. But that's. I mean, that's that's the nature. The beauty of, these of hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is the beauty of hindsight. <laughs> it's it's so, so wonderful. So so you were there for five years. Yeah. And and then what led you to Pinterest? I. Basically, I, I left Facebook. I took a little bit of time off. I got married, and um, and then I got introduced to um, to Ben Silberman and and Evan Sharp, who were the founders of of Pinterest, and was just 
so compelled by their vision of what they wanted to build. And what they wanted to build was a tool that could help people discover things that they loved or things that they didn't even know that they loved and then figure out how to go make that real in life. So if you found out you loved, um, you know, a certain kind of, you know, crock pot cooking, yeah. you know, you could go out and then make a bunch of crock pot recipes and, and eat it. And so there was this real, there was this, there was this amazing vision around really kind of any domain of interest. We're like, look, you can find something that's really going to light you up. That's really going to help you figure out how to actualize yourself in life. And we're going to help you go do that thing. So it's and, about making those connections for you. Yeah. And, and it was a powerful vision and they were, you know, they were, they both reminded me of the moments I had with them early days were reminded me of the moments I had with Mark early days where I would go home, you know, so excited I couldn't sleep. And I just like, God, I'm in the, I'm in the, um, I'm in the room with you're on the cutting edge special of people doing some special stuff and I get to be there and, and, and help them. Um, and so when I, when I met them, I was, it was kind of a, I was, I was sold kind of from the get go. It was like they're uh, modern day pioneers yeah. going into the unknown and the yeah. potential is endless. Yeah. You don't yeah. know where it's going to take you. And they were also, you know, so many companies, this is like 2012-ish, so many tech companies were, were thinking through the lens of, okay, Phil, how do we get you on our service for as long as we can? How do we lock you in? Okay, we're going to start showing you pictures of attractive women and then car crashes. Car crashes will keep you on longer. Like, and, and that, they were very much, they were starting to see that there was a place for the counterweight to that. Mm -hmm. More which, of a passionate appeal. Correct. Than just the train wreck appeal of, correct. oh, what's that? Yes. But more like something that got and it you. was you focused. I mean, we, we literally had people tell us, how you know, you when know? I'm on, when I'm on Facebook, <laughs> it's them time. Yeah. Pinterest is me time. Yeah. It was about the individual and, and trying to basically help them design a life and imagine a broader life than what they had today, which was pretty empowering and awesome to work on. And while you were there, things exploded. I, I read that it was a $25 million company in 2014 and then went to $472 million the year that you left in 2017. Yeah. What a what an explosion. What was it that you did you think to help? What was your big contribution? What was the how did you thread the needle there? Because obviously you helped. Well, I think that I think one of the things that I that I feel like I helped a lot with was I think we had a very I think I helped establish a really important culture. Um you know t shirts again? What were you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, one of the things that we believed, which was a little bit antithetical to Silicon Valley, was that you could that two things could happen in a, in a company. You could be you could be tough on people and hold people accountable, but not be a jerk to them in the process. And we thought that was pretty important, and and that really came out of a bunch of conversations that I had with with Evan and, and Ben about experiences we had had previously in our careers with heavy-handed managers and, and leaders who we just thought, God, you know, they didn't have They didn't to. get it. They didn't get it. And they didn't have to be that way. Oh, and, you know, we had PTSD for a year after we got yelled at. Right. And that wasn't helping anybody. That no. wasn't creating any shareholder value. And so what if we created a norm at a company that you, you, 
if you were going to give someone feedback, if I was going to give you feedback about something, it had to be about the work. It couldn't be about you. It couldn't right. be. I couldn't. Couldn't be a personal affront. A constructive piece right. of criticism, which takes more time. Yes, it's harder. Well, you have to dig a lot deeper because now yeah. you've got to understand what went wrong. Yeah, and then how, and then give suggestions about how Correct. to go forward. I used to say in orientation when I was explaining this as kind of one of our company norms. I used to say, look, it's go slow to go fast. We're going to go slow so we can build trust. And so I can be really careful about how I tell you, um, how I give you constructive feedback. But I'm going to do it in a way that's very compassionate, caring. Guess what that's going to let us do? We're going to have a bond. We're going to have trust. And we're going to go way faster later. And giving people autonomy and letting them own something, right? Giving them that sense of ownership. Absolutely. Taking that responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, I was, I helped with that. I think, you know, helped with growing the company. We raised about a billion and a half dollars in financing and I was involved, pretty that's involved a, that's in that. That's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of yeah, money. Okay. Just checking. So you obviously had a very successful time there. And then what, what was the impetus for you to yeah. then want to leave? You know, yeah. Because a couple of times now you've left two major companies yeah. that you've helped to yeah. grow the success with and yeah i mean i think that i i'm learning that i really like the formative stage of these companies where the you know the paint's not dry yet you know you're still really shaping what the what the ethos of the company is going to be like and and you know you're trying to figure out the business you're trying to figure out how to scale and to grow and and i think there's just a natural point at which i'm less i'm less energized by these businesses when they get to be billions of dollars in revenue and thousands of people. Um, so that was one piece. The other piece, which was probably a much bigger driver, was um, I re I've always wanted to start a company on my own and, and run a company. And um, I probably 2016, 2017, um, I started really noticing my relationship with my phone was not particularly healthy. And it was, it coincided with, with my wife um, and I having two young kids over the, over this span of time and just having these moments where I thought I am, I am effing addicted to this device. Was this the moment where you found yourself in the pantry? I mean, that was, that wasn't just one moment. Okay. Like that's a vignette that like, occurred. I read that. Of, I was like, wow. So you're in the pantry, your kids are out and you're thinking, there's something wrong here. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, I'm, 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 I'm having this moment where I know I want to be a good dad. I want to be engaged and get down on the ground and play with my kids. I know that. And that's a value I want to live and embody. Even in that moment, I wanted to. But I was stuck to my phone scrolling through a social media feed. And I couldn't get off. I couldn't stop scrolling. When we talk about this addiction, this device addiction yeah is it fair to say that it is as addictive as heroin or sex addiction or i mean i think it's it's tough i mean this gets out of my depth in terms of the the, the science but um I, I do think you know addictions broadly um fall into two categories in that there's sort of substance addiction where like there's chemical addiction at play and then there's behavioral addictions Process addictions, they're sometimes called, which sex falls into that category. Uh, food falls into that category. Um, 
shopping falls into that category. Those are process addictions. Those are very real, serious behavioral addictions that ruin people's lives. Yeah, hoarding is the addiction to yeah. be holding it. You can't like and, I, and I think the de- device usage, unhealthy phone usage, and it's important. There are plenty of people. Well, I don't know if there are plenty. There are some people who use their phone in healthy ways consistently. But I think this unhealthy usage is absolutely an addiction. It's prevalent. It's prevalent. And, and we're witnessing it every single day in yeah. our everyday lives. Yeah. And listen, I'm not even going to pretend that I might not be addicted to my phone yeah. too because it's such a big part of what I do in my life. Yeah. And I mean, I'm working on this problem all day long. Yeah. And it's, You're still working on it. I'm still working on the problem. <laughs> you're, you're, but, and it's, it's interesting that you came from these two platforms I that, know. Were, that encouraged people to connect. And yet it's the very thing that you wanted to start a business in was the antithesis of that. Like yeah. get away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I wasn't putting it in these terms when I, when I got started uh, on moment a year, a year or so ago. Great but, name, by the way. Oh, thank you. Well, I didn't I, come up with it. But, I, I know but you didn't. I but love it. I, I love the yeah, name. It's, it's, it's awesome. That name came from the creator of yeah. moment. Yeah. Kevin Halesh. And Kevin apparently was, wanting to sort of monitor what was going to happen in his new marriage. And he wanted to see, well, how much time his wife was spending on it. Am I married more to my phone or my wife? And so that's, that That was was the impetus. impetus. I mean, he was a, he was a, um, he was a seasoned entrepreneur and he just happened upon this problem. And then he built this terrific, wonderful product that was way ahead of its time. He built this thing four years ago before this was really kind of the topic du jour. Um, and and grew it, you know. But by the time well, we now have eight million people have signed up for the product. Um, but you know, he grew it from nothing to you know millions of millions of people. So you approached him and you said, "Listen, I've always wanted to start my own company. I like this idea of moment. Yeah, it's something I feel like I need to well, address." I thought I was going to go build what he, and, and then I used his product, and I thought. Well, he built what I was going to build, and he did a lot better job than. And he's I, further ahead than he's you are. Way further ahead, and then I I got in touch with him, and I really fell in love with him. I mean, he's this wonderful. How old is he? He's twenty nine. So he's a young. So he he's was like mid twenties when he came up with this. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he's a ve- he's very he's a special. He's a visionary, and a, and a and a wonderful engineer, and a wonderful product thinker, and actually a terrific. We're I think we are great great partners. And so, yeah, I approached him um, about a year ago and said, hey, I really want to build a company like this. You've already built it. What do you say? I buy it and you keep working with me and we'll try to make it bigger. So is that how it works now? You own the company, he works alongside yeah, I mean, you? He still or- owns a, a good chunk of the company as well. Right. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that's the, that's the setup. I, I read this study. It said that 70% of adults, they say, have a problem. And only 25 of those 70% are able to reduce yeah. their usage, yeah. right? So yeah. this addiction is so bad for some, it's linked to depression. It's yeah. this idea of missing out. And I always find that there seems to be a correlation between people who want to tell everybody that they're having a good time. And then those people who are just having a good time who couldn't care less about telling everybody that they're having a good time. Some want to post and let everybody know that, look what I'm doing. And others are like, I don't want you to know what I'm doing. Right. And it goes to this device. Yeah. We see it everywhere. Is it getting worse? Well, we, we see in our data that it's getting worse. 
We've How got could data it get on worse millions than it is of people. Right now. Well, and, and it, look, worse is like I suppose subjective, but yeah. I, I think that people are spending more and more time on their phones every year. And and I want to be clear, like they're not spending more and more time on their phones listening to your podcast or more and more time learning a new language, right? Because there are some really healthy, wonderful usages of the phone. It's a terrific utility and tool. And I think it's made our lives better in some really important ways. So would it be fair to say it's not the amount of use with the device, it's the you, it's the specific usage. It's, it's a specific usage in terms of how much time am I spending on the sorts of products or services where I don't really, I feel like I've lost agency and, and, and decision-making power about when I pick it up and when I put it down. Mm. And, and in fact, in the near term, I'm unable to resist the temptation to use it, even though I know I'm not going to feel good about it in the medium term and I don't like the long-term consequences. That's like, by the way, definitionally addiction. Yeah, that's like that. I mean, that's sort of the nature of, of being addicted to a substance. You know, it's bad. You want to stop, but in the near term, the it's immediate fix. the immediate thrill, the immediate high, it just supersedes all of that. It's gonna and be that's, that's what we're seeing. It's gonna be really tough for young people whose brains are still developing, right? And they log on to see how many likes they got on a photo or what their friends are doing. It's so and they're, they're not mature enough to process all of that and sort of see that, well, maybe this person is also depressed and suddenly they spiral into a really bad place. Yeah. I mean, it's really, in fact, there, there's been some research that came out actually last month on preteens um, usage, heavy users, uh, meaning six, seven hours a day, which is, which is quite a bit, although not uncommon, uh, preteens where they sh- saw... Um, substantial thinning of the prefrontal cortex. So brain changes in an important part of the brain. Um, And then there's there's some other research that came out in December, probably the most important research I think so far on on device addiction showed, they did it on college students and they actually showed that in a population of people who were clinically depressed and were using social media in an inordinate amount, they, they brought them down to, they didn't cut it off. They said, Phil, we're going to have you use social media 30 minutes a day for three weeks. The vast majority of that population was no longer clinically depressed. Wow, it's cheaper than Prozac. Yeah. So, and that's, that's why, I mean, that, that encapsulates the opportunity and why I'm working on the problem. I, I think that they, I think we really can, if we can help people use their phone in a healthier way, we can give them back time. We can give them back their agency. I think they can live a more present and happier life. Being present. At a, at a big, and we're not talking about a small-scale problem. I mean, there are 4 billion smartphones out there. Yeah. And we're saying two-thirds or so think they have an issue, use it more than they want to, but only a quarter can reduce if they try. That's a lot of people that who are That is a huge helpless. amount of people. U.S. adults spend uh, an average of three and a half hours a day. And then they say that adults are really more in denial than they, they blame their kids, but they're the ones that are really in denial. Yeah, what we, what we have found is that moment um, the app tells you how much you use your phone on two fronts, the amount of time you spend on it per day, but also how many times you pick it up, which is an important dimension of usage because some people 
can use their phone maybe an hour or two a day, which doesn't seem like a lot, but they pick it up a hundred times. Mm. And they have a compulsivity and anxiety that that comes from that from that behavior. So we, we have that as like sort of the scale, if you will, if I were to use the diet metaphor. And then we have all these guidelines and tips for how to basically reduce reduce usage. So we have this coach that walks you through um, these daily exercises, which really help people get in touch with why they're using their phone so much. Because mm. ultimately, our, our view is that the way that we can help Phil use his phone less is for him to understand what are the what are, what are the underlying triggers for why you're picking it up? What's in the missing first place? in your life that Correct. causes you to? Were you bored? Were you sad? Were you lonely? And if so, what's the alternative to mm. picking up your phone in that in that particular case? But the the reason I got on this was that what we find is that the 20, 30 somethings who sign up for the coach and use it are actually able to reduce much more readily than the 40 or 50 somethings. What do you think that is? More pliable brain? I, I guess. More open to ideas. Yeah. More trainable, more coachable. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, some adults they get stuck <laughs> in their ways. Um, you said about the, the news cycles because you know a lot of people are following. They're, they're looking out for this news all the time. They're looking for the next big headline. And you said I think that media today in its in its current phase is really emphasizing the negative, uh, and has has kind of forgotten the good that happens every day. So. It's just, yeah. if it bleeds, it leads constantly, right? Absolutely. Just pumping it out. It's, unfortunately, that's what, I mean, it's, there, there's some irony in all these media companies, um, you know, lambasting Facebook yep. for, for showing you the most sensational thing through their content engine. And it's the very thing that news organizations now are, are doing more and more because it's what sells. It sells views, it sells consumption, and they have to sell ads against that. I've read that we all look for news that tells us what we want to hear yeah. meaning the bent the yeah. the glass that we're looking through yeah. you know whether we have a right wing uh mentality or left wing whatever yeah. we want to yeah. read we want to be reassured that what we're thinking mm -hmm. about the way the world is working yeah. is right and yeah. this helps to correct and it's it's interesting i was talking to someone um a month or two ago about this very thing because clearly in this in this world of the internet and 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 Facebook where your news is personalized yeah. right it's an echo chamber it, it's going to tell you basically oh, I feel your really views are right I, and these yeah. views are wrong and i had sort of thought well this must have started when news went onto the internet and actually they've done some research on this the point at which this started this kind of polarization yeah. it it happened when basically cable came online in a big way and mm. network news wasn't the only source of news. It used when, to be that Walter Cronkite was the, the voice of America correct. and whatever he said went. And that it was, was the fact. Right. And it, he was more uh, impartial, you know, yeah. to. And now it's Fox and CNN. And yeah. you just go where you want to. You go one way or you the, the other. Or you're in the middle, I guess, yeah. with some of the yeah. independents, right? Yeah. But give us a, a sense of what's healthy and what's unhealthy with the use of a cell phone right now. Just because people are listening and they're thinking, Hmm. I wonder if I'm addicted. Yeah. I wonder. Well, our view at moment is that 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 needs to be really decided by the individual. Okay. But but I think the the high level criteria are basically: Do you feel good? If I listen to a book on tape that's about yoga, yeah, I feel pretty good about that in the near term. It's interesting, and I feel pretty good about that. I'm going to feel good about that next week because I'm going to have learned something. 
And maybe in the long term, I'm going to feel good because maybe I'll take up a different kind of yoga practice. But I, it, it's, it's when I'm doing things, and it's, it's analogous to food, right? It's like when I'm doing things that taste great right now, but definitely are not healthy for me in the medium and long term, that's unhealthy phone usage. And so, um, and, and again, I don't think abstinence is, is the answer. And so what, what we find is it's, it's a little bit like portion control in that, you know, healthy usage is basically people um, using the phone for the, you know, the utilitarian purposes, like how do I get to a place? How yeah. do I communicate with my friends and family? Um, how do I look up a restaurant to go to tonight? Like that stuff, clearly healthy, fine. And then for the things that's, that are more indulgent and more recreational, am I, am I using it in a, in a reasonable way? Am, am I using it in a way where I don't have, I'm, I don't have feelings of guilt or regret or, or feeling depressed or feeling depressed. Yeah. And feeling like you you're left out. Yeah. I, I worry that for a lot of young people, they're not learning communication skills the same way that the older generation did. I'm not yeah. saying that there weren't problems, you know, in bygone eras, but because some kids were told, you know, sit at the table, don't say anything. So I'm, I'm glossing over a lot of that. But just the idea of being able to communicate with oh, somebody. that's right. There, there's actually studies that they've shown where they've taken groups of kids who use their phone hours and hours a day, and they do tests on them to see to what degree can they see a picture of someone's face and, and understand what the emotion is. So mm -hmm. in other words, it's a, it's a test of Reading empathy. Reading people. A test of empathy. Yeah. And... It's amazing. Like they, they actually fall way below where they should be developmentally at that age. However, if they can reduce their usage to a much more reasonable place in this study, they did. And they were actually able to, um, you know, start to score on that test at kind of a reasonable, a reasonable level. So look, it's, it's just the research is showing it's, it's affecting people's capacity to relate to one another, show empathy for one another. When it's used in excess and used in an unhealthy way. I think I, I could do better, you know, just since re doing a little research about you and what you're trying to do and, and moment. Um, I think about where my phone is when I first get up in the morning. I think about the patterns of the way that I'm using my phone. And in times where I am struggling to focus on, on getting a task done yeah. because the phone is on, because I hear a ping on my computer or my, my device, and so I've started to think a lot more about switching everything off. What we have today is basically a, an app that really follows kind of the major tenets of cognitive behavioral therapy to help people change behavior. And that is the, that's the modality that really for all these behavioral addictions has been the most effective over the last 20, 30 years. And so what it does is there's sort of three components to um, cognitive behavioral therapy. If I were to really, you know, keep it high level, there's awareness, right? There's like, Phil, here's the, here's the deal. You spend this much time on your phone, you pick it up this much. So people, just, just awareness actually in and of itself can be very helpful to people. Um, we have found with Moment, and there are a number of third parties who found this as well, people underestimate the amount of time they spend on their phone by about 50%. That much? So... When someone who thinks, oh, I only spend two hours of my 16 waking hours on my phone, and finds out they spend four, that's a sobering 
realization. And so that's really step one in cognitive behavioral therapy. That's like, that's kind of the self-monitoring. It's like, hey, Phil, here's the, here's the stark reality. The next piece is, and we help walk users through this, what, what do you think is healthy and what's not healthy? Like, in other words, what are the, what are the, what's the criteria you want to use? And then what are the, um, what are the goals that you want to set going forward? And then what are the tools that you need? And we can give, we have a bunch of these tools that do this, that keep you accountable. So there's kind of this awareness, um, guardrails, and then accountability. Just walk us through the app. Like when you open it up, yeah. how does it, what's the uh, interface so, like? Yeah, so there's, a, there's a, a bit of an onboarding. We just ask you for a couple pieces of information. We actually have to track your location. That's how we um, figure out how much time you're spending on your phone. Unfortunately, we don't, we don't love that, but that's kind of the workaround to um, Apple's operating system, which is a tricky thing to navigate. Um, we ask you a couple more uh, pieces of information so we can help you. And then we're immediately tracking, giving you stats about, about your usage, mainly along the lines of how, how long are you spending on your phone on a daily basis? How's that trending over time? How often are you picking it up? How's that trending over time? And we also give you insights about how those, how your stats look relative to other people, other people which can be motivating or demoralizing, depending on how, how you look at it. And then... We offer a coach, and there are a bunch of different programs that people can can use. Um, some of them are free, and they're basically there's a phone boot camp, for instance, that just walks you through kind of all the best practices for reducing phone usage. So there's another course um, that helps people with their attention spans. Yeah. So obviously these these devices kill our attention spans and our focus, and so some people want to want to work on that, and we give them a course for that. We, there's a course that helps people with their sleep. There's a course that a whole family can enroll in that basically is a step-by-step process for... That's a good one. I like the idea it is of a the good family one. one. It is. I mean, and, and this is a, you know, it's a family problem Yeah. in that what we see is that many parents who are frustrated with their children's usage yeah. typically are heavy users themselves Just and as don't bad. have very good habits themselves. Yeah. And if you, we, we've done a bunch of research because we, we feel strongly about the the family opportunity and problem. And if you look at other types of behavior change around diet or exercise or whatever, whenever you, if you want your kids to change, you, you have to get the whole family to change. Yeah. That, that has been historically true with diet, with exercise, with other types of things, recycling, things that you want to change as a family unit. You actually have to do it as a collective. And we're seeing at moment pockets of teenagers who are figuring, who are using moment to actually create little contests with each other to try to see, hey, let's let's see in this group of 10 of us yeah. if we can spend less than an hour a day on our phones today. And they do it. And guess what? They feel better. Yeah. Well, you've got me thinking about it, really, I'll tell you. So how how is your addiction going? I, I, when was the last time you were in the pantry? <laughs> or, or, Mine's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's it's pretty good. And what I find is like, if I, if I have a bad day, yeah. meaning I spend a couple hours on my phone and, and, and I'm not talking about email. I'm talking about, you know, browsing the web or looking at YouTube. Going down a rabbit hole. Going down a rabbit hole. Click, click, I don't, click. I, I don't feel good. No. I usually, usually impacts my sleep. I'm usually a less pleasant person to be around. I'm usually just less happy that day. So it's sort of like, it's, it's sort of like if I binged on donuts, um, that, that's what I've, I've started to get sensitive enough that that's, that that's my experience. So I try to be, 
I try to be really careful, but it's it's you know, if, if 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 it's a priority, it unfortunately because the forces the forces that we're talking about in these services yeah. are really powerful. They're very good at getting. We're you to talking click on about. Stuff. I mean, we we I I was near teams that were working on these things at Facebook and at Pinterest. We're talking about artificial intelligence that can really outwit you. Yeah. And figure out. And, and by the way, their sole objective, this artificial intelligence is told, get as much of Phil's time as possible at any yes. cost. And am, that's what you're up against. Am I paranoid or am I seeing things that I'm talking about appear in my, like just appear <laughs> on my screen? I, 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 think, I think you're paranoid, but I hear a lot of people saying this. So well, I, don't, I know I'm I don't paranoid, know. <laughs> but, but honestly, I'll be talking about something and then I'll see it come up like an ad come up for the very thing I was talking about. Yeah. Now, one possible explanation, which is where the the the, the AI is also scarily good, yeah. is you did enough stuff on the internet before you had this conversation, even though you didn't mention the specific tripod, they know they knew enough to kind of make the next leap. Okay. So they may not be listening verbally, but, it, but, but they but are it, listening with what we put into our searches and they well not not just your searches every page that you browse likely all the contents of your email should we be paranoid about what where this is all going God, you know if you'd asked me this a year ago i probably would have said no but and now you're saying yes i'm not sure we need to be paranoid but i think we need to be really mindful and i and i would not have said this a year ago i I think we need to be more mindful of our own data and where it's, who's using it and, and for what. Wow. Because these engines without data are incredibly powerful when pitted against a human being. Once it gets more and more data, it gets even more powerful. So it's not just the forces that are showing you ads, right? It's the forces that are just, that are just being told maximize time spent, maximize time spent, get Phil on there again and again. And it, it, what's being optimized is that push notification that's being sent to you is being sent at a very precise time and second to optimize for when you're going to be most likely to pick up the phone and spend the most time. So it's about taking back control because yes. right now people are losing control and what we see and what we're being exposed to is dictated by other forces. And you're saying, no, 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 hold on a second. You need to take control of yeah. your life. You need to reconnect, get back to the simple things. Yeah. So tips. Uh, what are some good tips for us to all be thinking about? I read one the other day. They said, don't plug your phone in next to your bed that, because that, that, the tendency is to reach. That moves the needle the most, we yes. found, is if you can keep your phone out of the bedroom yep. at night and in the morning, you can probably move the needle the most on just raw, you know, just raw usage numbers. Okay. Um, I think the other thing is just pre-committing to an amount of time that you're just not going to use your phone. Like maybe at night when you're around your family, you know, I try to do this from, you know, call it five, five thirty when I get home until when my kids are in bed around seven thirty or eight. I just, I just won't. Ideally, I'm not always perfect on this. Ideally, won't pick up my phone during that whole time. So that I'm completely, completely present. And we have some tools at the moment that allow you to, to shut off, to have screen off time that's pre-programmed, as do some of the other tools that are out there. 
the analog solution yes. that, that I think can be really helpful for dedicated time away from your phone is it's called the kitchen safe. Yep. I think it's called the case safe now and you can buy it on Amazon and it, it's a safe that has a timer on it. It was originally built for dieting right? because you put like muffins in there and set the thing for a day and then you couldn't have the muffins for a day. Well, wouldn't the but muffin be stale? Wait. Well, all right. I'm sorry. It's a good point. Okay. Okay. Uh, with the phone, you don't have to worry about right, that. Right, right, right. And uh, you can just put it in there and you can set it for two hours and there's no back door. I mean, you'd have to smash this thing. It's plastic. So presumably if there were an emergency, you could smash it and get into it. But it's pretty effective. It comes with a sledgehammer. And it, it leverages this <laughs> this uh, this psychological um, yeah. phenomenon that's pre-commitment, which is that when you pre-commit to something and then you know, you're handcuffed to it, it's a pretty it's a pretty effective way to change behavior. So what we if, have we have one and we we use it we use it sometimes when we're feeling when our restraint is really challenged. So in your household you've seen a big improvement just we my wife and I have uh, we have yeah. particularly just in terms of of the, the two things I mentioned dedicated time off yes the phone like like get it out put it in a different room put it in be a focused drawer, on each other be focused on each other be focused on the kids and then don't bring the phone in the in the bedroom mm. i love the alarm clock on my phone though that's well we can buy a, gonna, i'll I'm buy gonna, you an alarm clock I'm, i'll get a yeah I, it's it's a terrible excuse i'm just yeah. saying I'm, maybe the other I'm, excuse people say what if someone gets a hold of me well you plug yeah. it in right outside your door and turn the ringer on yeah but make it, you, you need, you need a little bit of resistance. You need a little bit of a barrier between you and that thing. I had a breakthrough this morning. Which was? I, I knew you were coming here. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and I, I felt the, it's kind of like, you know, you know you're going to the dentist and you brush your teeth yeah. vigorously, right? So uh, and you have the cleanest teeth. I can't teeth. believe I'm yeah. giving people this. Yeah, this no, 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 it's true. So I did not touch my phone this morning yeah. until 11 o'clock. Yeah. That's, that's big for me. Yeah. And yeah. how'd it feel? I, I felt good. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I'm, I, I really feel I want to change is the, the times that I'm checking email because I tend to, and I'm only just, you know, doing some research about what you've been talking about and behavior and so on. I realize that I tend to answer emails as they're coming in. Absolutely. And it seems to be now I'm looking at it. I'm going, well, that is silly. It's the, one of the worst things Lock about time. the phone is that we can basically act on almost anything in the moment that it occurs to us. Mm. And that's kind of, that's a problem. If, if you really want to be present, mm. right. And keep and your focused. attention and focus in the moment. It used to be when we had desktops and yes. no phones, we would batch, right. We would say, Oh, I got to do these five things on the internet, but they would just get queued up on a list or something. And then you go do them all at once. Yeah. And that was way better for us cognitively. Yes. And in terms of just sense of, peace, well-being, and not being anxious. Yeah. But this constant, oh, I got to remember to buy this. Oh, I got to call this person. I got to text this person. That freneticism and, and unpredictability, you know, every, you know, every 10 minutes during the day, I, I think it just makes us psychologically unwell. We did this really cool thing over the holidays. I, my family was in town. My wife's family was in town. And in the, in the main area, we have like this great room, which is a living dining kitchen. You couldn't have phones for the whole week so if you wanted to be on your phone that was fine but you need to go in your bedroom and so now you're disconnected from everybody now you're disconnected from which which was fine people did that every once in a while if they needed to do something but yeah. the point was that in the common space don't bring your device yeah and just not having them there and no one being on them it it, it the climate was different 
it felt it felt a lot better. I think we were more connected. Um, so as as part of your team, do you have professional psychologists who maybe are are who understand how the brain works, who are yeah. helping with the with the program? So no, we don't have anyone full time, but we have a whole group of advisors who are um, so behavioral psychologists, and then a number of behavioral economists who we talk to regularly and and give us advice about our programming. Um, I think as we get scale, we're absolutely going to need to bring those people in house. It's 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 critical because we are we are giving people um, therapy, and yeah. we want we need we need we're going to need the expertise in-house day-to-day, I think, to get where, where we want to go. What about your employees? How are they behaving at work? Are there rules that you have at moment? Like, Well, we, we have some norms. Okay, and one of them are? is that we, we no devices in meetings. So we're pretty strict about that. And it's, and it's okay to kind of shame each other if someone, someone violates that. The other, the other thing that's worth mentioning is we're really, really um, strict about disconnecting. And so we tell people, look, when you're done for the day, you're done for the day. We don't want people on email. We don't want people connecting and texting with each other. So when you leave, you're done until tomorrow morning. And we have the same philosophy on the weekends. So Friday night, we don't want you online. And, and in America, particularly, Americans work so hard. I mean, they don't take time they don't. off. They don't. You go look at elsewhere in the world, they'll have six weeks leave a year. Yeah. yeah. They really just switch off they just fundamentally i think in, in the united states and certainly in silicon valley there's just a belief that that success can't possibly happen unless there's unless you're always on they they, they can't quite get their head around the idea that maybe if we took a break and stepped back and actually you know rejuvenated maybe we would be more effective mm. and i think there's a similar attitude about sleep as well in Silicon Valley and certainly in lots of the finance realms, right? Which is like, we don't need to sleep. We'll sleep when we're dead. What do your old bosses think about what you're doing? <laughs> well, um, Ben at Pinterest is loves it. Really? And um, I've not I've not talked to Mark about it. Um, I mean, I, th- I actually think, I would suspect that if I talked to him, he would say, you know, I think this is, I think this is good. I think we need this. Because he's, he's publicly acknowledged that there's a, there's a health challenge in terms of people spending too much time on his service and other services and that, and that he has a role to play in that. So it's sort of funny to talk about social media, given what we all talked about. You can follow us at, in, at, at, at uh, I told, we've come, we've I told my colleague circle. I would say the name. And so I gotta, I gotta stay true of to my course, commitment. Yeah, so yeah. In, the, in the moment app uh, is our handle on, Insta- oh, on Instagram. So in the moment app, and then you can find us in the app store. Either. What is on in the moment? Like what oh, on Instagram? What do you got? Shots of people being in the moment. I, I, <laughs> we try. We try to you know share share articles and best practices. I just took this photograph I in know, the moment very quickly to put to I show know. you that I was in the moment. We we struggle with whether or not we should even. Well, have. I think you have to. I that, that's where we came out, but you know. Yeah, but I mean, maybe there are maybe the photographs are great ways of showing. Hey, look, I'm in the moment, and yeah. I've. I'm, where I'm savoring the moment. One of the features that we do have on Moment that we just launched in December, which is pretty cool, and we get you know a couple thousand people using it um, a week, is you can actually auto post from um, Moment to Instagram to say that you are going into Moment mode, oh. which basically means that you are getting offline for a predetermined amount of time, and you publish that out to everybody. Hashtag 
Moment mode. Yeah. Moment mode. That's right. I'm going to be away on <laughs> moment mode. Don't bother me. That's a good hashtag. Yeah. Moment mode. Yeah. And they just say, listen. Maybe it'll catch on now. Don't expect <laughs> to hear from me for the next 12 hours. I am in moment mode. Right. All right. Well, speaking of being in the moment, the future. We're in the moment now, but just look ahead a little bit to where you see all of this going. Um, do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better? Are we at the top of the bell curve or are we coming down the other side? What's going on? I'm, I'm really excited about what we have a vision for building. I mean, we've certainly built something, but, but I think if we, could, if we could give to people, you know, a, a service that really could act on their behalf to, you know, self-actualize on their behalf and, and help them behave in ways that like are really in their best interest um, and not in the best interests of the bottom lines of some of these big tech companies, uh, that would be a really powerful gift. And so I get excited about that and I get excited about, you know, the next, um, the next upcoming months and years, because I think we're going to start to deliver more and more on that. Well, thanks for helping us to all get more moments. Yeah. Cause I think we need them. I agree. Um, I usually end the podcast with a couple of questions. Okay. Uh, one is if, if you were going to take a road trip across America mm. and you could take three passengers with you from any time in history, alive or dead, uh, and it was just you and three people. Buddha for sure. My new really? advisor. Yep. Um, uh, Nelson Mandela. Yep. And Barack Obama. I'm just a sucker wow. for him and what he stands for that would be an amazing car ride yeah permission to put cameras in the car would that be all right <laughs> you'll have to ask them okay Let's see if they'll they have sign a lot off. more to lose than i do <laughs> okay and then your your last day on earth if you were going to make a real Ooh. moment out of your last day on earth what would you do with that day well you um, i would be i'd be in the water on on a boat with everybody I loved. Big and boat then. Big boat. Yeah. You and maybe I would be in really cold water because I love I love plunging into cold water. So let's say a big boat with everyone I love off of Antarctica. What? Wow, you do love cold water. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thank right. you so much. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To see more great interviews, Go to philcogan.com and subscribe to Bucket with Phil Kogan wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider rating and reviewing us. And follow Bucket, that's Bucket with an IT, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Phil Kogan. See you soon.